Chapter Ten of Marie Antoinette and the Downfall of Royalty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. Marie Antoinette and the Downfall of Royalty by Imbert de Saint Amand, translated by Elizabeth G. Martin. Chapter Ten, The Council of Ministers. Louis the Sixteenth had been persuaded that the only means of regaining public confidence would be to name a ministry chosen by the Gironde and accepted by the Jacobins. The six ministers, Dumouriez of Foreign Affairs, Roland of the Interior, de Grave of War, Clavier of Finances, Duranton of Justice, Lacoste of Marine, formed what was called the Girondin Ministry. The reactionists named it the saint Colette's Ministry. The revolutionists rejoiced in its advent, while the royalists sought to cover it with ridicule on the day when the council met for the first time at the tuileries in the great royal cabinet on the first floor afterwards called the salon of louis the fourteenth roland created a scandal by his plebeian dress the simplicity of his costume his round hat his shoes fastened with ribbons instead of buckles caused as his wife disdainfully remarks astonishment to all the valets those creatures who, existing only for the sake of etiquette, thought the safety of the empire depended on its preservation. The master of ceremonies, approaching Dumouriez with an uneasy frown, glanced at Roland and said in an undertone, Eh, sir, no buckles on his shoes. Ah, sir, all is lost, replied Dumouriez so coolly that it raised a laugh louis the sixteenth who wished as one might say to enlarge the borders of gentleness and resignation displayed more than goodwill towards the ministers he showed them deference this was the more meritorious because to him this ministry was like a reunion of the seditious like the revolution in arms against his crown his pretended advisers seemed much more like enemies than auxiliaries he tried however to attach them to him by kindness and made a sincere trial of his rights and duties as a constitutional sovereign madame roland herself bitter and violent as she is renders him a certain justice louis the sixteenth says she showed the greatest good nature towards his new ministers this man was not precisely such as he had been painted by those who seek to degrade him as to dumouriez he says in his memoirs dumouriez had been greatly deceived concerning the character of louis the sixteenth who had been represented to him as a violent and wrathful man who swore a great deal and maltreated his ministers he must on the contrary do him the justice to say that during three months when he observed him closely and in very delicate circumstances he always found him polite 
gentle, affable, and even very patient. This prince had a great timidity arising from his education and his distrust of himself, some difficulty in speaking, a just and dispassionate mind, upright sentiments, a great knowledge of history, geography, and the arts, and an astonishing memory. Madame Roland also owns that he had an excellent memory and much activity, that he was never idle, that he read often, and had a distinct knowledge of all the different treaties concluded by France with neighboring powers, that he knew history well, and was the best geographer in the kingdom. His knowledge of the names and faces of those belonging to his court, she adds, and the anecdotes peculiar to each, extended to all persons who had come into prominence during the revolution. No subject could be mentioned to him on which he had not some opinion founded on certain facts. At first, the sessions of the ministry went off very tranquilly. The king, with an accent of candor, protested his attachment to the constitution and his desire to see it solidly established often he left his ministers to chat among themselves without taking any part in their conversation during such times he read his french and english journals or wrote letters if a decree was presented for his sanction he deferred his decision until the next meeting to which he came with a settled opinion concealing it carefully none the less and appearing to decide only in accordance with the will of the majority he frequently evaded irritating questions by turning the conversation to other subjects if war were the topic he spoke of travels apropos of diplomacy he described the manners of the country in question to roland he spoke of his works to dumouriez of his adventures the minister of foreign affairs who was a first-class story-teller and whose freedom of speech was welcomed by the king to use madame roland's expression amused both his colleagues and his sovereign by his jests and anecdotes but all this was far from agreeable to the spiteful companion of the minister of the interior indignant at the accord which seemed to exist between louis the sixteenth and his counsellors she dreamed of nothing but discussions and conflicts all that wore the appearance of reconciliation was repugnant to her she made her obedient spouse recount to her the smallest details of the sessions of the council meddling with and criticizing all during the first three weeks roland and clavier enchanted with the king's dispositions flattered themselves that the revolution was at an end madame roland scoffed at their confidence bon dieu she said to them every time i see you start for the council with this charming confidence it seems to me you are ready to commit some folly i assure you replied clavier that the king is perfectly aware that his interests are bound up with the observance of the laws just established he reasons too pertinently not to be convinced of this truth well added roland if he is not an honest man he is the greatest rascal in the kingdom 
nobody can dissimulate like that madame roland rejoined that she could not believe in love for the constitution on the part of a man nourished in the prejudices and accustomed to the use of despotic power she who doubtless thought herself the only person capable of presiding well at the council of ministers treated it as a cafe where they amused themselves with idle gossip there was no record of their deliberations says she nor the secretary to take them down after sitting three or four hours they went away without having accomplished anything but a few signatures it was like this three times a week this is pitiable she would exclaim impatiently when on his return she asked her husband what had passed you are all in very good humor because there have been no disputes or vexations and you have even been treated with civility each of you seems to be doing pretty much as he pleases in his own department i am afraid you are being made game of nevertheless business is getting on yes and time is wasted for in the torrent that is carrying you away i should be much better pleased to have you employed three hours in solid meditation on great combinations than to see you spend them in useless chatter it must needs be said that no person contributed more to the downfall of royalty than madame roland at the moment when the good temper and gentleness of louis the sixteenth began to gain upon his ministers when dumouriez was softened by the royal kindness when minds experienced a relaxation and honest people worn out by so many political shocks were sincerely desirous of repose it was she who nourished discord made the gironde irreconcilable inspired the subversive pamphlets of louvette inverted her husband's heart and invented the provocations against which the conscience of the unfortunate monarch rebelled this part which would have been a sorry one for a man to play seems still worse in a woman count bougnat has said very justly i have seen that a woman can preserve only the faults of her sex in the midst of such a frightful catastrophe not its virtues the gentle amiable sensitive qualities grow and develop in the shelter of peaceful domestic joys they are lost and obliterated in the heat of debates the bitterness of parties and the shock of passions the soft and tender foot of woman cannot tread unharmed in paths bristling with steel and red with blood to do so with safety she must become a man but to me a man-woman seems a monster ah let them leave to us whom nature has granted the pitiful advantage of strength the field of contention and the fate of war we are adequate to this cruel destiny but let them keep to the easier and sweeter part of pouring balm into the wounds and staunching tears roland's character was tranquil it was his wife who made him ambitious haughty and inflexible she should have pacified her husband but instead of that she excited him never was he malevolent and spiteful enough to suit her she would not pardon him a single movement of compassion 
or respect towards the august unfortunates led by her roland no longer dared entertain a generous thought he returned shamefaced to the ministry of the interior if he had felt a humane sentiment while at the tuileries it is sad to find tenderness and pity in the heart of a man dumouriez and in the heart of a woman madame roland nothing but malevolence and hatred dumouriez wanted to put out the fire madame roland to stir it up dumouriez sincerely desired the king's safety madame roland swore that he should perish if a germ of pity woke to life in the hearts of the ministers madame roland hastened to stifle it her hostility towards the royal family was more than deliberate there was something like ferocity in it her memoirs and those of dumouriez display two very different minds sadness dominates in his anger in hers even on the steps of the scaffold madame roland will not feel her hatred lessen dumouriez on the contrary will cast a glance of melancholy respect upon the unfortunate sovereign whose sorrows and whose resignation whose gentleness and uprightness had touched him so profoundly End of chapter ten